Good morning. I'm going to save the pictures for last, so, because um, I didn't correlate them, but you'll see. Okay. When I was in Arizona, there was a question that we were asked over and over again. What does the word border mean to you? My first thought was always separation or an end of something. But as you were asked the question, it made me realize how arbitrary, arbitrary the word is. It's full of so much meaning and feeling. The day we went down to the wall, we met with a few interns, and I had a thought. Are we divided because of building the wall and what we want the separation to look like, or the fear in our hearts? The division with the border on the U.S. side is just complete desert, and you can kind of see through to the Mexico side, and it's just what a normal town would look like. Um, so it's very vast difference between the two sides. Like the U.S. side is very unwelcoming, and on the other side, it's very homey, and like people come there a lot, actually. Before going on the trip, I didn't know much about the border, migrant families, or immigration in general. So when I was there and I was hearing the treacherous things that people crossing over had to endure, I was so shocked. Like, it was, this is a little off track, but um, I remember hearing stories about how, like, they would keep children in, like, cages and, like, just insane things. And um, I originally thought that the U.S. was doing something to, like, help with it, but there's really, um, they have laws of determent, which means they are specifically not wanting people to come into the country. Okay. Um, so, seeing the border for the first time, it was really heartbreaking, and it filled me with a lot of anger. It is an 18 feet foot tall wall with four layers of barbed wire designed to cut human flesh. And once you go further down, like a few miles down um, the wall, and it's a really, it goes on for like a long time. Um, it gets up to 30 feet tall, and they don't even bother to put barbed wire on it because they said there's something about the psychology of it that if you climb up it and you fall, like you're not gonna get back up, which is really sad. Um, and outside the border, all around the ground, you'll see like um, personal items like cans, um, probiotic like water, I think that's what it's called. Um, you'll see glass bottles because people on the Mexico side throw like bottles at the border patrol. Um, I'm assuming out of like anger and frustration. Um, uh, when we were driving up there, I even saw like a sweatshirt hanging on the um, the barbed wire. I didn't get a picture of it, but um, I'm sure you can imagine what that would look like. So um, at one point during the trip, we did an exercise where we looked at different names of people migrating. There are ones that seem more positive, like that we probably heard in school, like pilgrims, um, founding fathers, pioneers, settlers, and newcomers. And then there's ones that, like I learned about um, in Arizona, um, illegal, alien, um, the border patrol, they told us that they refer, they don't refer to them as people, they refer to them as bodies, so they're just, they would be like, oh, like there's three bodies coming in right now. They don't give them any personality. 
Um, and there's other ones like Freeloader, Wetback, and Criminal. Um, and we also learned that people have been migrating for hundreds of years and the immigration system is not broken. It's exactly how it was created to be. It works for the government, but not the people risking their lives to cross over or needing to seek asylum. Um, while we were there, we learned the difference between um, people migrating and asylum seekers. Asylum seekers, when you are crossing over, you can come and you can ask for asylum, and you're supposed to be able to get what you need the safe way. But even then, sometimes they're still turned away, which doesn't really seem fair. Um, but ever since, I think since COVID, they closed down the border because of COVID, they said. But it hasn't really opened back up since. And so it just leads people to go the unsafe way, like through the desert and like in the mountains and stuff. And I've seen the mountains and they're literally like, I don't, I just, I don't know how it's possible. And how it's just that the U.S. wouldn't want people to be coming the safe way because people are losing their lives. So, um, I'm sure I shared with some of you that we were working with a Catholic mission called Casa Elitas. Uh, we volunteered with them one day, and it was pretty overwhelming. Um, I shared with my group that it was a little hard because I didn't speak Spanish, and I was, I was pretty uneducated because that was early in the trip that we went to Casa Elitas. Um, and there's people arriving on buses straight from jail or straight from the border, which originally they didn't even have that opportunity. Um, from when they would arrive at the border patrol, they would ha take them and just drop them off somewhere. Like just a random place where they didn't know where they were at, have any connections. And so Casa Alitas, um, they, I don't, I can't remember if they worked with the city because I know the bus drivers work for the city um, in Tucson. So. They had them get some bus drivers, and then they were able to bring them straight to Casa Alitas, which used to be an old juvenile detention center. Um, and they kind of revamped it, so it's now this space that's welcoming, and it has like colors, and there's activities for kids, and all of that fun stuff. Um, so when I was there, I just felt really overwhelmed because there was so much happening. There was like, there were so many people. Like when you walk in, there's check-in, and then there's people um, in line to get COVID tested. And they have this really cool system. So if you do have COVID, they go to a hotel, not just a, something crappy. Like they actually get to stay in a nice place for a little bit um, until their quarantine is over. And so they get tested, and then they can wait for a little bit. They have water, and they have snacks there for them. Um, and a little what I was doing, I was passing out water to people as they were coming in. Um, and they had people that were setting up your plane tickets because, and um, translating documents. It was, it's really sad. Um, one of the people that was on the trip, he works with MCC, his name is Juan. Um, he was translating documents for people, which is kind of insane because you'd think that they would give people like, stuff that they could read, that they could understand. And some of the migrants there, they don't speak English at all, so they have no idea what they're looking at. And so he was sitting there and he was um, translating for them. Like, and people were just lining up next to him. And it's like they have these services there, but I don't know, it's a little hard for them, especially if they don't speak English, to be able to ask for that help. Um, 
So Casa Alitas is an amazing place, but they do have their flaws. Um, and um, another thing that I was doing there, um, we were doing activities with the kids. Um, and since I didn't speak Spanish at all, it was a little hard for me to communicate and like tell what people were doing. So um, we just kind of sat and colored, which is like, I like art. The kids liked art. Like I was drawing stuff for them, and they thought it was really cool. So I, we had other people there that speak Spanish, so they could translate a little for me. Um, but I wrote in here that it's a weird feeling, but it was nice to laugh with the kids, and laughter has no language barrier. So you could tell people were happy by their laughter, and you don't need to translate that. So there are history and institutional structures, belief system, policies, and laws that led to the building of the wall. The wall that led to the stigmatization that immigrants face, and honestly, the U.S. has not done a good job at helping the conditions at the border. And by that, I mean that um, they can't come in a safe way. They have to go through the desert, which is just really sad. Um, so another part of what we did, um, we did a cross-planting ceremony. Um, I'm pretty sure it was with Casa Alitas, but we, we were with a number of different um, Catholic group, so it's a little hard to keep track. Um, but a cross planting is where we take a cross with someone's name on it uh, who has passed away, and we do like a service for them. So there was this guy, I cannot remember his name, but he was like, uh, he's a Native American, and he had us all in a circle, and we were doing everything in like the way that the sun goes, if that makes any sense. Like, I think this is clockwise, whatever direction this is that I'm doing. Um, and so we would go, we each take a turn, and we got to leave something that we touched. So part of us would still be there with him. His name is Kevin Lopez Torres, and he was only 20 years old. And he was found, some, his remains were found somewhere in the desert, and that's, we couldn't put the cross at the exact place because of issues with, like, who owns land or something. Um, but we got to place it close enough, and so what we were doing would each um, grab something, so a piece of a piece of us would still be there with him. Um, and I picked up just a little rock that I had found, but the lady, um, she told me to like rub my DNA all over it, just so that we would like we would people would be there with him, because his family may not know. Like it's hard to get in touch with people's families, especially when they're found out in the desert, um, like their remains or whatever the case may be. Um, uh, yeah, and so one of the last, like, things that I, I'll say is the border gives me a lot of mixed feelings in a way. It united us, like, the group that I went with because we wouldn't have been there and I wouldn't have had the experience that I had if the wall was not an issue. Um, but it's also dividing us because it's just, it's a really sad place. And I think it's really great that the Mexico side, like, they they made it into this welcoming place. Like, they put a mural on the other side, and I have a picture of that, so you'll be able to see. But it's really, it's really, it's, it's kind of hard for me to find the words, but it's really sad, but it's also hopeful, if that makes sense. Um, and just, like, another little thing. We made this meal is a Bolivian meal called Cio Pancho. It was so good. I have a picture of that too. Um, and this woman, she came and she spent the night teaching us how to cook, which was really cool. Um, I just kind of 
thought that was a great example of how people can come together, even if it's not the best sort of situation. Um, and the food was seriously so good. I have the recipe, too. So if anybody wants to try it, because once you see the picture, I'm sure you'll think it's, like, so cool. Another thing, um, we had uh, two women, two local women, who did embroidery. Like, I cannot remember what it was, but I have a picture, too. Um, they taught us how to do embroidery, and they do that with, like, the migrants. I don't know if it's to raise money or if they just do that, because I know and it's a big thing in Mexico um, to do embroidery and to, like, kind of have that sort of keepsake. I think I'm getting that right. Um, but I learned how to embroider, and it's super cool, and it's super fun, and I'm still finishing it because I made my design super complicated for some reason. But, um, yeah, that's it. So... Where do I point this? Okay. So this is the sil poncho. It is like the meat there is it starts off as like these little things and then you have to put it in a bag and you just like hit it as hard as you can with like this mallet and it gets super huge. It doesn't even make sense. And then it's like rice and then there's a fried egg and then potatoes and then just like some dressing um, and over here that's one of the women um, this is at Shalom Mennonite Church by the way I don't think I said that that's where we stayed it's a really cute church it's super cool um, but that was her slideshow that she showed us before she showed us how to embroider um, this was at the cross planting ceremony um, this is the guy that I was talking about that I could not remember his name but he was, he had like an eagle feather, and he was like, I don't know how exactly how to explain it, explain it, because it was really confusing, but it was also really powerful. So he was like blowing this incense smoke on us. Um, yeah, and then that's him doing that to me. And this is my embroidery that I started. I did a flower for each of my siblings. Um, so I wrote their names at the bottom, and then, yeah, it's taken me a long time. Um, this is Kevin's cross that we had. Um, we planted rocks all around it, and they put a rosary around it. And you could see some of the stuff on the top of the cross that people put there. Um, and, yeah, and it has the date that they found him, too, which is sad. Um, this second picture is at Casa Alita's after we had got done volunteering. So that's the group that I was with. Everybody was super cool. Um, this is the border wall. Sorry, the pictures are kind of mixed up, but... Um, this is the wall. You can see there's like four layers of barbed wire and like this is kind of a bad picture because I didn't take a picture like of the wall so I could only use what people had sent me but um, you can see it goes on forever and ever. Um, this is another picture of the cross planting before we put the rocks down um, and then here's some more. So this one, that stuff in the back, that's the 18 feet and then this is the 30 feet. And if you see them compared to each other, it, the 18 feet looks like nothing compared to the 30 feet, which is insane. And they don't even have barbed wire on that side. Um, yeah. And then here's some more pictures. We were standing up at the top of a hill on this one. And so you could see it goes on forever. Even when we were driving up there, it was like you could see it like in the distance, like a horizon or something. Um, and here's a close-up picture, but it's hard to see the barbed wire on this one. Um, and this is the, you can kind of see the uh, mural. This is on the Mexico side, and we're on the other side of the wall. You can barely see it, but 
this is the group of interns that we met with, that we read a verse with and we prayed with. Um, I wish I had a good picture of the mural, but you can kind of see it's in different colors and all that going on. And then, oh, I didn't mention this, but we um, wrote names of women who had been found. And I don't, we didn't um, do crosses, but we just wrote their names on sidewalks. It's only two pictures, but there were so, so many names. Um, there's a huge list, but I was like, I can't put all that on there. Um, but this is just a little bit that we did. And, yeah, that's it. everybody it's uh, really good to be here uh, it's been a, been a little while um, and I'm super excited to share with you guys about some of my time in India this past May uh, so I went with a group from Goshen College for May term um, and that's a little bit different from so we have like the normal SST which is a full semester abroad uh, this is just a one-month course um, but yeah still super super cool um, so this year we had a group of 26 students um, who went to India, and uh, the like. The theme of the course was we were st studying sustainability, um, which I think maybe flying all the way across the world to study sustainability might be one of the most ironic things I've ever done. But, <clears throat> uh, but like for me, the real purpose of the class um, was just to be exposed to like a new culture, uh, gain a deeper appreciation and understanding. Um, yeah. So, is there a laser pointer on here? Or? No? Okay. Um, so they, here's a map of India. Um, we started in Delhi. It's where we flew into, uh, up north there. Um, and yeah, so we were there for a couple of days, and then we made our way north further uh, into the purple province, um, Uttarakhand. Um, we spent some time in a place called Hardiwar, and there we like near there we like went on a, on a safari, um, stayed in like a commune type of place too, um, and then from there we made our way up uh, north northwest a little further um, to a town called Woodstock, and I believe that's where pretty close to where Ruth Prashadi um, grew up, I think my dad told me. Um, yeah, and so then from there we, like the main part of the trip was a week-long trek in the Himalayas. <clears throat> right um, and so this picture here, these are the main like leaders of the trip. Uh, the man in the blue is uh, Jonathan Schramm. He is a prophet Goshen, um, teaches like ecology and sustainability courses. Uh, and then the other man there, his name is Suniti. Uh, and he, so he's from India, he's lived in India his whole life, um, works with like conservation. Um, at one point in his life he worked with anti-poaching, and so he has some really crazy stories from that. Uh, like there's a lot of people that want him dead, a lot of the powerful poachers. Um, but yeah, so he kind of taught us about conservation, um, like the specific challenges in India that they're facing. Um, specifically, they have a lot of problems with habitat loss because they're a rapidly growing population. Um, but they also have challenges with like poaching and climate change. Um, and one of the solutions to some of the problems that he taught us about, uh, one thing that like he's worked a lot on, 
is um, having wildlife friendly highways, which is basically just a whole stretch of highway with either an overpass or an underpass for animals to, to cross so we're not like fragmenting um, their habitats. Um, oh, and so, and this picture of the elephants, um, that's from the safari that we did. Uh, and so yeah, the safari was super cool. We saw, like along with the elephants, we saw like lots of peacocks and other birds, uh, monkeys, deer, and wild pigs. Um, and I feel like when most people think about India, they sort of think about the huge cities and like all the people. But um, it was cool to see like another side of it is like it does have a lot of biodiversity, um, and, like a lot to offer for nature lovers. Um, but yeah, so the main part of the trip was the week-long backpacking trip through the middle Himalayas. Um, so there's three sections of the Himalayas, the inner, outer, and middle. Um, and so the outer rim is like all the like really big mountains, like Everest is in the outer rim. Um, so the middle isn't like quite as crazy, like I, I wasn't hiking any snow peaks or anything like that, but it still was really, really impressive mountains. Um, yeah, and in this picture here, you can actually see the outer rim of the Himalayas is that in the background um, with like the snow-covered peaks. Um, so we did the trek accompanied by a team of local porters, and uh, we had um, mules carrying all of our food. There's the mules right there. Um, so that was super nice. It was sort of different from any other backpacking trip I've ever done. Um, because with the mules, we were able to like have good food actually, and the porters like cooked for us and brought us water and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, usually on a backpacking trip, you're just eating like dehydrated food and whatever whatever else you can fit in your backpack. Um, but that was really nice. Um, yeah, and so overall, it's a very beautiful trek, a really really nice spot. Um, it's sort of a special spot ecologically because due to like all the, the rapidly changing elevation that you get in a mountain range, you get a lot of like habitat changes. Um, so you get like the biodiversity you'd expect to see over tens of thousands of miles elsewhere in a very small area. Um, and so another uh, cool part of the trek was that we were able to go through um, some of the local mountain villages. Um, and just kind of see like the people's ways of life. Uh, and so the people living in the mountain villages are much more generalists than we are because they, they pretty much have to be self-sufficient because they have very limited um, like access and connection with the outside world. Uh, so it's cool to kind of like see some of the innovation that they have in order to be able to survive. Um, since they are in the mountains, they all use like terraced farming. I don't think I have a picture of it, but um, yeah, the way they farm is pretty cool, and they also farm in a more sustainable way than us um, because they kind of combine the livestock and the crops, um, which is something that isn't done in like commercial ag anymore. <clears throat> and so then, oh yeah, also this this dog here is a dog that we encountered in um, like near one of the villages. Uh, it's like a shepherd dog. And you can see that it has like the metal collar. And that's actually because there are a lot of leopards in the mountains uh, that will try to snipe off the, the sheep. And apparently they attack the jugular. So with the metal collar, the dog is able to hold his own with the jaguar, or with the leopard, I guess. Um, and so then the other like main part of the trip for me 
um, was learning about the different religions in India. Uh, I think India is um, pretty well known for being very like rich with religion and culture, um, and the culture is definitely very intertwined with religion. Um, and so yeah, that, there's a picture of us in front of the Taj Mahal, um, and so the Taj Mahal is a pretty famous mosque. Uh, but today, there actually is only about 14% of Indians are Muslim, um, with like 80% being Hindi. Um, and then Christian Sikhs, Buddhists, and Jains make up like the rest of the population. Um, so yeah, we were able to see places of worship for all of these different religions um, and kind of learn more, more in depth about them, especially with the Hindus. And... Uh, so Hinduism is a really fascinating religion. They have like hundreds, if not thousands of gods, but they all kind of branch off of like the three ma main gods that we learned about. Um, so they have Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Um, and these three gods um, represent the different aspects of creation. Uh, Brahma is creator, Vishnu is preserver, and Shiva is destroyer. So it was kind of cool to see, like learn about their creation story, uh, see the similarities with Christianity, and some of the differences. And then, so another religion that we learned a lot about was Sikhism. Um, and so this is a Sikh temple right here. Uh, and so Sikhism is a newer religion, is kind of branched off of both Islam and um, like Hinduism. Um, and yeah, it was super interesting. Uh, so like the core tenets of Sikhism are devotion to God, service to others, and truthful living. Um, and all Sikhs have five distinctive characteristics that mark them as a Sikh. Um, so the first is uncut hair, and this symbolizes moving beyond the body uh, and being more concerned with like spiritual matters. Um, and so uh, that's why all Sikhs will wear a turban as a head covering. Uh, they also all have a steel bracelet as a symbol of restraint, restraint and peacefulness. Uh, also a wooden comb to symbol care for the body because while they're not wanting to be like concerned with the body, they still like see the body as a vessel for enlightenment. So they still think you should like take care of yourself. Um, they have special cotton underwear to symbolize chastity, and a dagger to symbolize the fight of injustice and in defending the weak. Um, and so honestly, as I learned about them, uh, I found a lot of similarities from their beliefs to that of what Mennonites believe, um, except for that they are not pacifists. Um, as they do believe that violence is warranted in certain certain situations. Um, yeah. Oh, and so yeah, one other, one really cool thing that they do is in their temples, they will serve either two or three meals every day open to anyone. Um, so, so basically, uh, everybody has food to eat in all the cities in India. Like, none of the homeless are going hungry because at least they have the Sikh temples. Um, to eat at, and I thought that was really cool. So, yeah, all in all, it was a very, very good trip. Um, I feel like I learned a lot, and it was a very fun time. Uh, very good way to cap off my um, experience at Goshen College. Um, and, yeah, learn about a new culture.